Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our web address. When you have a question for me, Clark.com slash ask. If you have a question, you don't necessarily care if you talk to me. Talk with a member of our team. Our team is available to you. We can talk to a member of Team Clark nine hours every weekday. It's a free service of our show. Right from our web address on your phone, you can dial straight in for off-air advice. Coming up in 20 minutes, one company is facing a fine of nearly $300 million for harassing people who are on the do not call list. It is Clark Rages. It's a brand name you know and will recognize. I'm going to tell you who has been misbehaving. And coming up in a half hour, I'm going to give you news on the energy front, what you're going to face to drive your car or SUV this summer, and what it's going to cost you for AC for your home. Right now, we have an unusual treat, something we do every summertime. We talk with someone who's a teenager who is doing things at light speed compared to other people. And we're pleased to be joined by Julian, who is with us right now. And Julian, you are 15, 16? I'm 15 years old. 15. And what grade are you going to go in this fall? I'm going into my sophomore year of high school. You, as a 10th grader, and a rising 10th grader, have been working... For how long in your life? How many years? When did you start working? I started working when I was eight years old. Eight years, you know, is against the law. You're not allowed to work at eight years old. Child labor laws and all that. What have you been doing since you're eight years old? Well, I started working at my mom's warehouse to just take care of trash and things like that. And then eventually I got a job at an auction house that um, were tenants of my parents and they kind of became family friends. And I've been working there ever since and at my mom's warehouse as well. So you, like so many people at a very young age, you started working because your mom's an entrepreneur. Yes. And that's how you ended up working as in so many family businesses, everybody pitches in. Yes. But was it something that you dreaded doing and didn't want to, or are you just that kind of person yourself? Well, my parents never gave me an allowance, so I always had to strive to find other ways to um, fund my um, my purchases. And I was never the biggest fan of working when I started working, but I never minded it that much, and it would always make it worth the work uh, when I'd receive my paycheck. So now you're 15... Yes. And what have you learned being at age 15, someone who's already got seven years of part-time work experience under your belt? Um, I've learned that everything that you need to buy, you really have to work for. And um, nothing is just taken. You really have to work for it. And so you, you said you're working at an auction house? Yes. 
And what are you doing at the auction house? Um, I started off by just picking trash off the floor, and then that went to um, showing things in the audience, like uh, jewelry. And then now I've uh, grown to be more uh, clerking for the auction house, as in writing down um, who buys things, for how much they buy, and taking online bids. And Julian, has your schoolwork suffered because of the work you do? No, school has always came first for me because it's going to help me out um, later in life. Um, and But work has, I've always made time for work and it's never affected my schoolwork. So how about your social life? Because your friends have idle time, they're goofing off doing whatever, and you're working. Um, one of the main struggles that I face is finding a balance between play, work, and school. And I think that I've uh, recently found a very healthy balance. And uh, sometimes I do need to make the hard choice to say to my friends, well, no, I just can't go out with you guys tonight because I have an auction to work out or, or I can't go out for lunch today because my mom needs me to uh, work at the warehouse. But um, I think that all in all, it's not really that big of a factor. So... The money you earn, have you been saving it for college or do you spend it or what are you doing and what money have you come up with? Um, I'm quite a spender. A lot of people in my family are spenders, but uh, I've found uh, that I save half of my money and I spend half of my money. And so um, I've been putting it into a savings account uh, since since I've started working. So since I was eight years old and now uh, recently when I was 14, I put one thousand dollars into um, a Vanguard star fund. And when I turned 16, I would like to put that money towards a car because I know that I'm going to want a car as soon as I can have one. And uh, I've also put five hundred dollars into a Robinhood account so that I can start day trading. Day trading. Now, so on the one hand, you made me have a big smile on my face that you, as a teenager, opened a star fund because I love that. It's a well-diversified account, has very uh, relatively moderate risk. You're building money over time. And then you're doing day trading in and out of the market all the time. You're driving me crazy here. <laughs> Is that for play or do you think you really can make money popping in and out of stocks? Um, I never really did it to make money. I did it more. Uh, the Vanguard Star Fund was more um, to increase my savings, but the day trading with Robinhood was mainly for the real world, real world experience that I would get, and I figured that that would really help me out later in life. Okay, this is all so fun. So what is it that you're planning to do with your future? Any idea? Um, I have no idea. I'm just trying to keep my options open and go out into the world and experience as much as possible. And so that is a true entrepreneur's personality. You come from an entrepreneurial family. I bet that uh, you will do many different things in your life. And that's so great. And a lot of people, though, that are entrepreneurs as teenagers have a lot of trouble paying any attention at all in class. Has that been an issue for you? Um, I definitely sometimes get distracted in class, but um, it's I usually am able to refocus myself, um, but it's definitely a trouble sometime. Well, if you're just tuning in, I've been talking with Julian, who's a 15-year-old high schooler going into 10th grade this fall, has been working since he's eight years old, and saves 50% of his pay through the years. 
and is learning how to invest. I am so impressed with you, and thank you so much for sharing your story on The Clark Howard Show. Thank you, Clark. Irene is with us on The Clark Howard Show. Hi, Irene. Hi, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. It's my pleasure to have you here, Irene. How can I be of service to you? Yeah, I have a credit card from a credit union, and they gave me a $20,000 credit limit. So my question is, if I had them lower my credit limit to 10000 because I don't need 20000 will that affect my credit score? Yes, it will hurt your credit score. And oh, potentially, depending on how much credit you have, it could eat up your credit score or just damage it some. So the way the credit scoring game works is you want to use as little of your available credit as possible. So with the $20,000 limit, let's just say, for argument's sake, you're using, and I'm just going to throw out an example, okay? Mm-hmm. Let's say you're using 5000 of that 20000 Okay. Which would mean that you're using, what, 25% of your available credit. That's right. And that will get you a very good credit score, because if you're at 30% or below of your yeah. available credit, that helps your score. On the other hand, if you said cut my limit to 10, uh-huh. now you're using 50% of your available credit, which will okay. demolish your score. Okay. So the key is to stay at 30% or below, and if you stay below 10% utilization, then uh-huh. you're considered in credit scoring models to be what they call golden. You are okay. an ultra, ultra, ultra low risk. Now, are, have you been tempted to charge too much because of no. that? No, um, I have. I have two two other credit cards. With, um, one has a zero balance, and the other one, very very low, just a couple hundred dollars. So your and credit I, score should be fantastic. Yeah, yes, my credit score. Yeah, I, it's around seven eighty nine. That is really great. <laughs> That means you're eleven I'm, I'm points. You're eleven points from golden. Eight hundred, eight hundred to eight fifty is considered to be golden, but the reality is seven eighty nine gets you the best of any loans you could want. So you should feel great about that, and okay. don't change a thing. Okay, don't change a thing. Not a thing. Okay, okay. And can I ask you another question? Sure. Okay. Um, now. I have two, uh, well, my two daughters, I wanted to open a Roth IRA because I, I know I, you know, you've advised a lot of uh, your um, listeners. And I want to open up the Roth IRA for my, um, both of them are in college. And I want to, uh, I, w- I want to know which is, you know, can I, should I open up with the credit union? No, I don't oh, like, I, I love credit unions. I love credit mm-hmm. unions. I don't like them for Roths or IRAs. But okay. they have to be working while they're in college to fund a Roth. Or either of okay. them working or are they full-time students? Full-time students. So, but, but I can open up for them because yeah, one nope. of them is working. Only, uh, if, only if they're working. Only if they're working. Right. Okay. So if somebody is, does not have what's known as earned income, you cannot fund a Roth for them, and you can only fund it. Let's say they work part-time in the summer, and they make $3,000 in the summer between semesters. You then could put up to $3,000 in a Roth 
for the child that earns that money. Otherwise, you can't do it. And by the way, your question's so perfect because Leslie is at the other extreme with Ross. You just flat out make too much money. Is that right? Yes. I guess it's a good problem to have. It is a good problem to have. (laughs) Yeah, so my husband and I wanted to start contributing some more to our retirement. We already contribute up to the max. Um, Well, not the max, but up to our employer's match on our 401ks. And so we were just wondering what you would recommend for us. Well, the very first thing I would do is go well beyond the employer match. Okay. Because since the tax code won't let you do a, a Roth because of what you make, if you simply increase the amount you're contributing to your 401k at work, you'll have the same effect. Does your employer offer you yet the option of a Roth 401k versus a regular? No, they don't. Okay. So you'll at least get, as a high income earner, you'll get a a handsome deduction from dialing up what you contribute to the 401k. And, And are each of you with 401k type employers or either of you with 403b plans we're both 401ks okay great so just just step that up and if you're of a mind that you want to do ross and you're not eligible then raise what you're contributing to your 401ks by that same amount actually you could raise it more you know why you could raise it more why is that well because if you do 5500 and a roth you're actually having to contribute a lot more money than 5500 would be in a 401k because the money you would put in a 401k is pre-tax the right. money you're putting in the Roth is after tax so but aren't there benefits to the post-tax oh absolutely Roth? so that, is there an option um, that we should consider post-tax for no no thing? see that's why I was asking it's up to your employer most now do for your okay. employer to offer the option of a Roth 401k which would allow you to have money that's pre-tax and retirement and the Roth 401k, which would be money that's post-tax and retirement. But it's only a matter of time till employers that don't yet offer Roth 401k start doing so. Mm-hmm. But it, but today, just step up what you're putting in and okay. tr- try to stretch how much you put in. And you'll have such a benefit because it will directly, as a high-income earner, It'll directly affect what you owe in tax each year by a huge amount. Maybe a third of what you put in, the government will be paying at this point. Well, that's great to know. Thank you so much. Best to you. Today's Clark Rageous moment is about something that drives me crazy. It's unsolicited phone calls. And so often they're from scamsters, crooks, ripoff artists. But this is a company you know and recognize scams ripoffs outrages it's a clark rageous moment dish network just lost in court and has been ordered to pay a fine of more than a quarter billion dollars billion with a b 280 million and change for repeatedly calling millions and millions and millions of Americans, hassling them to try to get them to sign up for Dish Network, even when people were on the do not call list. And Dish Network says, 
hey, wait, 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 that's not us, that's not us. Those are contractors we hired. We're not responsible for our contractors. The court thought otherwise. Junk phone calls drive me to distraction. And even though Dish is facing paying a huge chunk of money, the reality is almost every phone call you get from a junk phone caller is from somebody operating outside the United States, outside the reach of U.S. law enforcement, and follow this simple rule. If you get a phone call on your home phone or cell phone and you don't recognize the number, do not answer it, period. That's the best way to shut down junk phone calls. If it's somebody you really want to talk to, they'll leave you a voicemail anyway. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show, and we'll be right back. Glad you've joined us here on The Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is the website. Clark.com slash ask is where you go to ask a question. And wait, there's more. Clarkdeals.com is where you go to find out the latest, greatest bargains to stretch every dollar. Speaking of stretching every dollar... It has gotten so much easier at the gas pump. Do you know that the price of gasoline is the lowest it's been for this time of year, going back more than a decade? At wholesale right now, the price of a gallon of gas is wholesale, not what you pay at the pump. It's down to $1.48. And then it's up to each retailer how much profit they add to that and taxes that are involved in buying a gallon of gas but it's great news for your summer vacation but wait there's more natural gas that is becoming the number one fuel in the united states to generate electricity natural gas is today approximately one-fifth of the cost that it was a decade ago one-fifth So the power company that supplies you, if you live in a regulated state and they're able to pass through their energy costs as part of your bill, you're going to see that you're going to be able to turn on that air conditioner, maybe set it to right where you're comfortable and not have the bill blow your wallet out of the water. Or if you leave things as they are, you'll see the potential for the price of your electric bill go down. And if you're in a state where the cost of electricity is deregulated and you can go shop for your electricity, you are going to see direct benefit from this and what you can shop your electricity price for. Because generally, in most jurisdictions in the country, natural gas being the largest source of energy supplied to you, on an average is roughly 40% of the electricity generated in the country. Some areas it'll be more, some it'll be less, but it has a major impact on what the cost of electricity ultimately is to you. Dialing back to the gasoline thing. On gasoline, just as I was talking about shopping in places where you shop for your electricity, for gasoline... Within a local area, there are huge price swings 
from one street to another, one neighborhood to another, one gas station to another. And so it's up to you to get the best deal when you go to fill up. The conditions are so favorable right now with gasoline prices that you may be getting lazy and getting the best deal on gasoline. Don't do that. In fact, you can use an app like the Gas Buddy app on your smartphone or Gas Price Watch, or now any of a number of people have the smart dashboards in their cars that as you drive on the navigation, you can hit a button for gas stations and it will show you on your route what the latest reported price is on gasoline as you drive on your route. And when you see a deal, fill up. Don't wait till you're on fumes to say, oh, I need gasoline, because then you'll pay too much. My key trigger is when you're at half a tank, that's when you, as you're driving around, if you see a deal on filling up, fill up, save the money. And when gas prices get lower like they are right now, people are more prone to buy premium gas who don't need it. Do you know almost no cars on the road need or benefit from premium gas? In fact, many cars, because they're designed to run on the octane of regular, will actually not benefit and may be hurt by wasting money on premium gas. And here's the other unknown. Most cars that call for premium gas run absolutely fine on regular. The computer systems in it can in the, your car can if it's a newer car can absolutely handle regular fuel even if the owner's manual calls for premium with almost no exceptions for newer cars. The only difference is your 0 to 60 time will be slightly slower. Henry's with us on the Clark Howard show. Hi Henry. Hello, how are you? I'm doing great, thank you. You have a question about your home. Uh, yes, I'm, uh, I need some remodeling done. Uh, my wife's uh, disabled, and I wanted to spend, I think it's roughly around $20,000 to get this remodeling done, which would be like a bathroom and the kitchen, I mean, uh, uh, whatever things in the bathroom what we need. And I'm debating about whether I should cash in my CD and pay for it cash. The interest rate is only 2.15%, and it expires in February, or whether I should take either a home equity loan or a line of credit, would that be the better way to pay for it? If I cash in the CD, I won't have any extra emergency cash if I, if I use all of it, and then I wouldn't have any emergency funds. Then also, I could sell mutual funds, so I don't know what's the best way to handle it. Well, I like the idea of you using that CD to pay for the improvements you need to do to your home. The reason is, is if you originate a home equity line of credit, you're going to have expenses involved in originating it. The interest rate you'll pay on it won't be terrible, but it will be more than double what you're paying, what you're earning on the CD. Mm-hmm. And so, I would just can the CD. You're going to forfeit 90 days interest. Is that right? Probably, but then uh, about I would use almost all my emergency money. Understood. Yeah. So if you did have a serious emergency, I would have you reverse the process. If you haven't had a chance to build up savings again, that would be the point at which you'd want a home equity line of credit for a financial emergency. Mm -hmm. 
So instead of leaving the CD in place for a theoretical emergency and developing a home equity line of credit that you have to pay for every month, you reverse it and what you would have paid on the home equity line of credit each month is money you put back into savings and replenish your savings over time. But if something bad happened before you'd sufficiently replenished your savings, that's when you could either choose to sell some of your mutual fund shares or do the reverse and at that point do the home equity line of credit. All right. That, that's all very good because the interest is only 2.15%. Exactly. Anyway. Yep. Exactly. And by the way, a lot of people are saying, how did Henry find 2.1%? I can't find 2.1%. That We're in an odd interest rate world right now that 2.1% sounds like a great rate on a CD, but as you know, it's not really. Hmm. So I think you bail out of that, and I'd wait till the last minute when you know you're going to need it mm-hmm. so that you accumulate a little more interest before you have to cash in and pay the withdrawal penalty. Because I thought about using the interest on the home equity loan to deduct it, but you just mentioned something. Unless you make $150,000 a year, it's not of any benefit to get a loan to try to deduct the interest. Exactly. Oh, I have one other idea. Okay. Your CD, depending on the institution, they may allow you to leave the CD in place and borrow against it at a rate one-half to one percent higher than what it carries. And then each month you extinguish some of that. And that would be an alternative where you end up not having to pay an early withdrawal penalty and you keep the CD in place. I know they'll let me take some money out. They would let me, without canceling it totally, I could get some of it out. I wouldn't have to take all of it out. So that's an alternative. But I don't know if you followed what I said. A lot of financial institutions will let you essentially pledge the value of the CD and oh, really? do a loan at just a slightly higher rate mm. than the CD mm. that you could use to do the renovations to your home. Oh, all right. Well, but there are, many, there are many ways to do it where you're not taking out a new home equity line of credit, which is specifically what I don't think makes sense in this circumstance. Eric is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Eric. Hello, Clark. How are you doing? Great. Thank you, Eric. You have a question for me. I don't think anybody's asked me your question in 15 years. <laughs> okay. Well, my question is, I'm 40 years old, and I'm in the beginning stages of looking for a new job. And I'm currently in the private sector, but I was also looking at the government sector. And I want to know what the long-term benefits uh, between the two, especially when it comes to health care and retirement plan slash pitching. Well, if you talk about federal employment, federal employees get very decent benefits. The pay raises have come few and far between for federal workers of late, but federal workers have access to the nation's best retirement plan, known as a TSP, Thrift Savings Plan, and also may well have, depending on which agency, may have eligibility for a pension, and the health care benefits are very good with the feds. When you look at state government and local government, it's all over the boards. And more and more at state and local government levels, the benefits are 
that used to be so very generous and far greater than what people got in the private sector, that place by place is no longer true. And a lot of places around the country are going to two-tier, where people who are already employed with the state or local government have the old benefits grandfathered. New hires don't have access to those. So where for my whole life, one of the things that was really attractive about working for government of all levels was the benefits that you received. That window seems to be narrowing a lot as far as the advantage that government workers had over private sector workers. Were you specifically thinking federal or were you thinking state or local? I was thinking federal, uh, maybe like the Department of State or something like that. Okay. It, it is still a place where, for the foreseeable future, the benefits available to you are better. Okay. Is there a list that I could go to that will, you were saying which part of the government, federal government, uh, offers different pension plans that might be... Well, the, the pensions, you know, I don't know how to how to direct you on that for the the best place would probably be the OPM Office of Personnel Management opm.gov I think is the web address that you go to have you been to that site no I haven't go I'm going to verify that right now if that's still right yep opm.gov so that's the best clearinghouse for you to see the various personnel policies of various parts of the federal government. Well, thank you very much. Well, good luck to you in what you decide to do. All right. Thank you. Sure. John joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, John. Hey, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. How are you today? I'm doing great, thanks. Hope you are. I am. I'm constantly getting flyers in the mail about property in the mountains and at the beach, and they throw in log cabins and it seems like the prices are too good to believe, which leads me to believe there's something going on. What's your take on that? So the was-is, where the the colorful flyers, and they tend to be oversized postcards. They do. (laughs) And they'll have these magnificent mountain vistas or lake vistas more often than they'll have beach vistas. And they'll talk about how lots that were $119,000 $119,000 are now available for 9995 and that kind of thing. How am I doing? That's exactly correct. All right. So <laughs> this is one of those things that there is some truth in what you are getting in these flyers, but it's only a small kernel of the whole story. Here's the whole story. You go back early last decade to about 2006, There was a fever pitch where developers were paying far too much money by historical standards to buy mountain property to develop and lakefront properties to develop and lake communities to develop. And so they had paid, there was too much money chasing these deals, they paid way too much money for these deals, and based on being able to sell these lots at these huge multiples imagine you were somebody who owned these big tracts of mountain land or lake land and some developer comes to you and offers these enormous sums of money you're like man i'm the luckiest person alive so 
all those real estate deals, when the, the air came out of the tires of the real estate bubble, all those deals collapsed. And the land all over the place went into foreclosure in these resort, mountain, and lake communities. And ultimately ended up being bought by scavengers, could have been uh, private equity groups, whatever. And they're now remarketing these properties for relative pennies on the dollar from what they were being marketed 10 years ago. So they were never worth 119000 or 149 or 99 or whatever. And the marketplace is trying to find what today's value is, which seems to be uh, really somewhere around 10 cents or less on the dollar what these places were marketed for back early and mid last decade. So the, the values assigned on those flyers mean nothing. Okay. Um, now let me tell you like the danger for you. hiding in there or something that where if you did go on a Saturday to see one of these lake vistas. They're going to be beautiful. They're going to be beautiful. <laughs> they will be. I mean, that's why people thought they were going to make a fortune on them in the first place. Because there are, one of the great things we're blessed with in the United States of America is we got a lot of beauty here. And so there, there are so many beautiful spots that they were not really exclusive. Uh -huh. And that's why the values turned out not to be anywhere near what the developers had hoped. So for you, coming in now after the bust... If you were to buy, people think, oh, well, the worst I have to lose is I'll pay $8,500 for this beautiful lot. But there's actually an ongoing thing. You have ongoing fees you'll have to pay, be some kind of association dues. You may or may not ever be able to build on that lot. You may choose not to build on that lot. So if I were buying in a uh, mountain resort or lake community, I would buy an existing property that's already got a house on it or a cabin or whatever where you don't have to worry about the what if and what may or may not come later. We'll be right back. I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show where we learn together ideas and ways to save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. I love having an opportunity to share with you every day and it's something that I've been doing for 30 years now but I'm just a guy and there are times that I will mess up that I will give advice that's misguided I'll be missing a key fact or you just think I don't know what I'm talking about and so that's why at Clark.com we have Clark Stinks it's where you can go and let me know where you feel I've missed what I should have been saying or what I should be thinking. And you can post there and then other people can read your post and then they can comment on it, agree with you, disagree with you, whatever. And then weekly, Krista, our producer, goes through the posts on Clark Stinks and shares her favorites with you right here on the air. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. All right, Clark. 
I'm going to start with, I'm going to be gentle at first because it's not directly about you, but it's about one of your favorite stores. Aldi, Clark, you may be wrong. I'm not sure if this is so much of a, as of a Clark Stinks or an Aldi Stinks rant. Since Clark loves Aldi so much, I guess I would lump him in by association. Just Absolutely. Kidding. If there's something at, about Aldi you don't like that you think stinks, then I definitely stink. Anyhow, has anyone noticed that Aldi has drastically changed its sizes of certain items while maintaining the same price? For example, I used to buy these huge spice jars from Aldi for 99 cents. These bulk spices came in four or five ounce containers and were by far an awesome deal in comparison to other grocery stores. However, these same spices are only sold at Aldi in much smaller containers now. I think a little under two ounces. Effectively, this is a 200% price increase since you're getting half the amount of product. However, the illusion of maintaining low prices is still there unless you're an astute Aldi shopper like myself. Oddly enough, this size reduction happened a little after Aldi started accepting credit cards at their stores. I wonder if this is one of the ways Aldi is making up for the backdoor transaction fees for credit cards they must now absorb. I can't speak to that, but I was very distressed when Aldi started accepting credit cards because part of their business model was uh, cutting every cost they could out of the system so they could deliver the, the lowest cost groceries in America. And I wish they would have stayed with the cash and debit card only. Clark, you had a caller who had just gotten married, had a child, and bought a house. She was on one of the income-based repayment loan forgiveness programs. She said she wasn't able to pay the loan now. I know you aren't going to criticize callers. However, she did buy a house that they could not afford. If they can't afford the loans they have, even after paying based on income, then they can't afford the house they bought. A point she may not be considering, and you didn't either, is that if her husband is making a lot more than her, such that it's making the loan payments go up a lot, then they will be paying less in income taxes together rather than single. Offsetting the rise in loan payments, if you follow. Another point is that they could still file taxes individually to reduce the loan payments. They may lose the marriage tax benefit, though. So I am faced with such a dilemma when somebody calls me about a deep dive debt problem like with student loans. And the most important thing is that I answer the question as presented to me and not make judgments about the choices that someone has made. Otherwise, people start self-censoring what information they give me, and I don't have what I need to give what I hope is sensible, good advice. The thing I hope that everyone takes away from the impossible questions thrown my way about student loans is that anybody they know, a, a niece, nephew, uh, their own child, whatever, please stress before they enter college how important it is that they not borrow a lot of money for college. Dumb terminal or dumb operator? Clark, please stop trashing Chromebook. With your advice, two years ago, I pre-ordered an 11-inch Hisense Chromebook from Walmart. The promised ship date was missed, and as compensation, the price was reduced by 15%. When it arrived, I was very pleased with the Chromebook. Super easy and convenient to use. Eight months ago, I bought a 15-inch refurbished Acer Chromebook. Each device has a memory card slot, USB, and HDMI ports. 
I found I can do anything I do on the Chromebooks that I could do on my Toshiba laptop. Regards, a dedicated Republic Wireless and Chromebook customer. (laughs) So I don't try to oversell the Chromebook because people who are used to using a Windows computer or a MacBook, it's such a different experience that I'm careful how I talk about it. And I guess I undersell it. Chromebooks are the greatest. Did I just oversell now? Okay, Clark, you don't stink here so much as you really missed an opportunity to give better advice. Gift cards are indeed a scam, and I hate that they're so popular. Gift giving has certainly reached a new low of heartlessness and laziness. That aside, they're easier to deal with than you let on. First of all, many brick-and-mortar merchants can do split tender, which makes it easy to use up the card entirely. Simply make a purchase that exceeds the total amount, initial or random remaining, pay the amount above and beyond with cash or another card, and you're done. Alternatively, what, what I do, unfortunately I keep getting them as payment for rebates, is I use them up immediately by applying them to my Amazon gift card balance. Amazon makes this very easy, and you can apply any random amount. Uh, Your Amazon gift card balance never expires and Amazon doesn't whittle it away with fees. And then you're immediately cleared. You've immediately cleared out the card, which you no longer need to hold on to. But don't throw it away. That emptied gift card still has an incredibly useful purpose. Anytime I need to sign up for a service with a free trial that will eventually start charging me. So they require you to enter a credit card info to get that started. Instead of trying to remember to cancel in a month or several, I just use that zero balance Visa MasterCard gift card to sign up. They don't know the difference, and I'm safe from either forgetting or the service trying to weasel in unexpected charges. Right, and who was that poster? Because they're brilliant. They didn't say. Well, Anonymous you, you are a genius squared, because both of those suggestions were just top, top drawer. Love the idea of immediately loading the money onto something like, in the example given, the Amazon program, but I especially love the free trial offer thing using a low balance uh, gift card. Well, those aren't gift cards. They're reward cards. Loading some money from it or loading it on there so you don't have to worry about suddenly triggering a big monthly fee from something you forgot you even trialed for. We have some very bright listeners, don't we? Absolutely. Schwab Roth for a 19-year-old. What a hassle. First of all, our family loves Clark and his team. My 19-year-old daughters, twins, opened Roth IRAs, enrolled online, went through the account activation setup, and linked it to their bank account. Trial deposits received and finalized setup. We go to move money to the Roth, and we get an error. They call, and Schwab wants more verification, so they run a credit check. No records as my girls don't borrow money, so they want us to go to a branch. There are no branches in our state. Maybe we can make an exception. Let me check. Okay, email us a copy of the driver's license and pay stub. What a pain. They stink. So that's, I stink because I recommended Schwab for a Roth for a teen, and they stink because they didn't come up with a simple way to verify identity. Whenever you open an account today for bank, brokerage, credit union, they're going to require some form of proof of who you are. And usually they do it by running a credit check on you. That's the standard position that the financial institutions take. So people who've frozen their credit, like I have, 
have a problem opening a new account, and people who don't have credit files yet have a real pain because there's a rule in financial circles, especially since the terrorist attacks back in 01, that you must know thy customer. And the procedures uh, defy common sense in some cases, like with young people trying to open their first investment or Roth account. Clark's gold rules are wrong, so wrong. First, I'm glad you beat, is it rhabdomyolysis? I never say it right. Yeah, however you say it. I can't say it right. It's got one additional syllable in there, so people just refer to it as rhabdo for short. Okay. Drug combos can be like that. My cousin's uh, rehab for a different combination of prescriptions drugs is ongoing. Second, well, your rules are your rules, so they can't be wrong since they're your opinion, But if they're your advice, they stink, in my opinion. Here's why your gold investment rules are wrong. One, 5 to 10% is your advice. No, make an investment in your happiness. If $50,000 in gold provides more peace of mind than world travel, go for it. Two, don't hold your gold. Clark, it's been said before, if you can't hold it, you don't have it. If someone likes to use a debit card instead of cash, then that's the choice. If another likes a little cash money, gold is the choice. And three, gold ETFs stink. They're comparable to Bitcoin. Bitcoin has been fantastic this year. ETFs are great too. Just buy, just like buying a house was a good investment 10 years ago before the bubble burst. Clark, how about these revisions to your rules? If someone wants to invest in gold, then one, put 5 to 10% of the total investment in a gold ETF. Two, store the rest in actual physical gold in various places. And three, post the results of doing that on Clark.com after Christmas. I may be wrong. I may be wrong. (laughs) Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. (laughs) So I appreciate your passion about gold on the ETF thing. Uh, What that is, exchange-traded fund. There's also a cousin for precious metals called ETN, exchange-traded note that if you buy and hold physical gold, you pay enormous spreads on the buy and the sell, plus you have to come up with a secure place to keep it because if it's stolen, you're just out of luck. An ETF or ETN stores the gold for you in a vault. You have an electronic record that that's your gold, and the value moves up or down, with the price of gold, just as it does with physical gold you'd hold. And you'd have to believe that society as we know it would completely crumble for it to be worth holding actual physical gold. If society completely crumbles, I don't know how much I really care about whether I have gold or not. And so I do feel that it is the most efficient way to own gold or a precious metal is to own it through a fund where they are responsible for all the record keeping and storing and all that than for you to have the actual physical metal in your hand. We're just going to have to disagree about that. I wanted to post because the one big downside of having a prepaid like Cricket Boost or Total Wireless is that you get last in terms of service priority. So if a cell phone tower gets overloaded due to heavy usage people who are actually actually postpaid customers will get priority. And for people who are on the prepaid side of the things will really get slow coverage or even no coverage. 
While this rarely happens, it's something to take into consideration when living in a really, really big city or like or who, if you like to attend major events, concerts, football games, etc. Also, the phones for prepaid will just say stink. David. David, I am impressed that you use such mild language when you describe those phones. <laughs> so I appreciate that. Now, with Cricket and with Metro PCS, Cricket being the discount brand of AT&T and Metro PCS being the discount brand of T-Mobile, you can bring any phone any what's known as GSM, which is the standard world format, to either of them. You don't have to be a captive to whatever phones either of them are selling. On what's known as traffic prioritization, did I just say a word with that many syllables? <laughs> I, have, I have had a great deal of experience with Cricket, and I have never had a problem where my traffic has been prioritized to last in line. And so I have not seen it. Maybe it's there. Maybe it's subtle, but I've not experienced it. But what I can tell you, you experience if you use any of the discount brands of the majors is you get much lower prices, particularly when it's just you. Family plans may be a different story. And I appreciate all of you taking the time to write your feelings about where I've missed the boat. Please continue to do so. Go to Clark.com, go to Clark Stinks, and let me know where I'm failing to serve you. When you have a question for me on the Clark Howard Show, go to Clark.com slash ask. What you got, Joel? Clark Jeremy says, you mentioned a couple weeks ago that Amazon has insane rates on off-color shoes, but you didn't mention how to find these deals. Where are the deals, Clark? So what Amazon does is Amazon has raised prices by a huge amount. They're in many cases, 20% more expensive on items you buy there from the other places. But they're trying to keep their low-priced bona fides by having select items at a very cheap price. So the example I gave is with running shoes. They may have a shoe that in one color is $80 and another is $20. You have to look through running shoes that you like and look and see the price differences with the colors. But also check 6pm.com. They have some of the best deals on shoes anywhere. Noel wrote in and said, is there a secure website where I can check my credit score and review my credit report? Two different ones. For free, you can go to the uh, government-sanctioned site annualcreditreport.com. Once each year, you're allowed to see each of your credit reports completely for free. If you want your scores there, you have to pay for them. But if you go to also to creditkarma.com, register there, you can see your scores dynamically updated, and they're available to you at any time for free at Credit Karma from two of the three major bureaus. So to review, annualcreditreport.com is the only legitimate place to see your credit reports each year for free. Credit Karma legitimately lets you see your scores for free. Welcome to the Clark Howard Show where it's about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so that you can keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our web address. Clarkdeals.com is where you find the bargains. So you know what's so annoying when you're at a website and all of a sudden, noise starts bothering you. 
that noise somewhere on that web page an ad is playing probably audio and video it is such a nuisance another one is when an entire ad takes over the screen on your phone or on your laptop or your tablet and you're sitting there trying to figure out how do i get out of this thing how do i get rid of this and hassle and a half so more and more people are downloading these ad blockers that are designed in a rough sort of way to try to block that kind of nuisance advertising but now google and think how ironic this is google that earns so much of its money from ads is now launching an ad blocker which will be part of the chrome browser and it will work on androids iphones laptops tablets you name it where if somebody's doing one of those nuisance kind of ads when you go to a website those ads aren't going to bother you google will effectively block them but wait there's more google so that people i don't know if i don't even know if i should say why google's doing this but google is going to hurt its own revenue because if a website is doing that google's also going to block google ads that might normally be served up on that website and lower google's income as well and i said i wouldn't speculate but it seems to me that they're trying to say that they're not just trying to make sure they get money and other people don't they're trying to stop the nuisance and then think about the enlightened self-interest if you put one of those ad blockers on your phone or your computer or whatever you may be blocking google ads that don't annoy you along with those ads that do so if they can develop a system and make it available to you that stops the hassle of the ads well that's good for potentially everybody all around except for the people who earn their living trying to annoy you and me with those ads i don't think anything upsets me more when i'm surfing than to have an ad start blaring at me when i'm looking at a website so i love the idea of those being stopped and your life and mine hopefully will become a little more hassle-free because of this lee is with us on the clark howard show lee glad to have you Lee, it's noisy where you are. Pardon me? It's noisy where you are. Yes, yes it is. Uh, Is it too noisy to hear me? No, I can hear you. Okay, great. Great. Well, I I can tell you that I followed you, you know, for many years in your your advice, and uh, I try to take as much of it as I can, and some I'm not comfortable, but um, that's why, you know, I'm actually reaching out uh, today. I'm glad I was able to to, uh, be able to talk to you directly. Well, I'm glad you're here. How can I be of service? Well, I, uh, I guess I'm a traditionalist or a slow to adopt. Uh, I have um, heard you talk about credit unions for many years uh, and never even let alone gotten into, you know, used one, uh, even really seriously investigated one. And I'm at that point now, so I'm trying to find out if there's a better credit union than another or they're all the same. Or No, they are not all the same. Just as banks vary in quality and the ability to serve a customer credit unions vary as well and they they serve 
a little bit different purposes depending on the kind of credit union. And so credit unions, there are are a small handful that are gigantic, that are extremely large credit unions that offer an array of services and also nationwide convenience often pretty much like you'd have from a big bank. The difference is they're owned by their members, so the products they offer, the loans are much cheaper, the checking accounts are much better, the credit cards are much better, and the customer service experience should be better. Then if you look more towards a local credit union, Lee, they tend to go one of two ways, and I'm simplifying a little bit here. They Mm -hmm. tend to be borrower's credit unions or saver's credit unions. Mm-hmm. A borrower's credit union, everything is about giving the lowest loan rates they possibly can. A saver's credit union is more about people who are saving helping you get a higher rate of interest on your savings. Mm-hmm. So uh, they almost without exception will have ATM networks you can use fee free. You'll have checking accounts you can get fee free savings accounts where you earn more than you would at a bank Mm -hmm. and then the secret sauce the fact that the employees there work for you so it's just a matter of exactly what you value the most where you'd go and there's a website now called a smarterchoice.org and you can put in your zip code and it'll show you Within, you choose the range of distance from where you live. You can even go as far as your street address, and it'll show you, okay, there's this credit union, that credit union, the other credit union, and you can click and see what each of them offer. Can you tell me, Clark, do they have a different sort of cost of entry, a ticket price, if you will, to get, get involved with them? Or? Usually joining a credit union is something like 25 bucks for a lifetime membership fee. Some may be cheaper. I don't know if any are much more than that. But you just pay that one-time entry fee, and you can be a lifer like I've been. I joined my first credit union in 1974. Bonnie's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Bonnie. Hi, Clark. How are you? Good, Bonnie. You're going to buy a TV. Oh, my gosh. It's about time. <laughs> so how big a TV are you thinking of getting? Oh gosh, I didn't have take the measurements. Um, not not huge. It's just for something. It's about like thirty six inches diagonal would be the biggest. But no, you gotta go bigger than that. I don't have room. I live in a tiny condo. <laughs> How many feet away from the TV will you sit? Mm, about ten. If you're gonna be ten feet away, I gotta lobby with you because these TVs are so thin. The profile is even though the screens are large, they sit so small in terms of the space, even in a relatively small apartment. If you're 10 feet back, you would love getting a bigger screen than that. Well, I don't... The thing is, Clark, um, and thanks, by the way, for taking my call. Sure. Um, It's an entertainment center that I bought over 10 years ago, back when big box TVs, which is what I have, it was built for one of those. So it won't be sitting like hanging on the wall or anything else. There's nowhere else for the TV to go. And the space, like I say, is 
no more than 36 inches diagonal. So I can't fit anything bigger. You may be able, in a 36-inch space, I wonder if you, looking at the dimensions, if you could get a 40 in there. TVs are very inexpensive now. Mm -hmm. So I would go into an electronics store or one of the warehouse clubs, take your tape measure okay, and measure them and get the largest possible TV okay. that'll fit in that space. And you don't need to buy all kinds of fancy features because at that screen size, they all look fantastic. I mean, they don't look good. Okay. They look great. Buy some off-brand that nobody's ever heard of. Let them be snobs about it. Keep those Jacksons in your wallet. Chad's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Chad. How are you doing? Hi, Clark. How are you? It's a pleasure to speak to you. Well, great to have you here. You automatically make it in the Clark Hall of Fame because Ooh. of how old your truck is. <laughs> yes, I bought it in 2003, brand new, had 17 miles on it. And uh, 238,000 miles later, the transmission uh, finally went out of it. So you've gotten nearly the quarter million miles out of it, 14 yes. years of use. And so Pardon. now it's time to move on. Yes, I'm afraid so. Uh, I did a little research. Kelly Blue Book value only Blue Books it out. Uh, if I was to, to sell it as a, uh, as a uh, used vehicle, it would only roughly 1400 $1,500. And I'm looking online and calling a few shops, and it's going to cost that much or a little bit more to even get the transmission repaired. So so you could I do toss-up on it if the vehicle otherwise is still sound. You could spend that money, sink that into it, and you're even. And if you drove it just another few months, you would be way ahead. But if, well, but if you've reached the breaking point, you certainly have earned that right at 14 years. Just uh, basically... You give it. You sell it to one of those salvage places for a few hundred dollars, and you know because they want the parts, and you're done. Well, uh, thank you for the advice. I was curious. Uh, I didn't know what your opinion was on whether uh, you know when it exceeds the value or right at the value of the car to 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 do that with this high of a mileage of a vehicle. You know, with uh, I can hear listening to you that you're ready to be done with it? <laughs> I can just tell. Sort of. So so I wouldn't, even though it, it's a toss-up, I wouldn't put the money into it. I would buy okay. something either new to you used or something brand new, and it's fine for you to buy brand new because of how long you keep a vehicle. Are you going to get another pickup truck? Uh, looking at it, but I, I currently have it. The truck that I uh, that the transmission broke in, it was kind of a utility truck. It was my everyday driver. Oh, an SUV. It was. It, was, it did turn into a utility truck. I do have another vehicle, and, and actually it's a 2004 vehicle. <laughs> so and is that, I, what kind of vehicle is that? Uh, that is a uh, SUV. So do you, for daily driving, would you be fine with a passenger car, and maybe the SUV is when you need something like that? that that's actually a good idea. I never, never thought of that. I'm All right, let me tell you why I want you to think about that. Yeah. The car market, passenger car, not talking about trucks, SUVs, the passenger car market has collapsed. 
I was talking to a gentleman last night who just bought a brand spanking new Toyota Camry for $17,000. Brand new. Because the market for sedans is so overstocked that brand after brand, there are huge cuts in the price coming from the manufacturer and from the dealer because they're so not in. You know, people want the crossover utility vehicle or the sport utility vehicle. So if you got a uh, just a couple year old or even brand new sedan, you could have that for just regular driving. And then when it's appropriate in your life, that uh, 13-year-old SUV, is that's your set of wheels. Well, I appreciate the advice, Clark, and uh, that's why you're on the radio and I'm not. Well, Chad, look at my information at Clark.com about how you, how you buy a new vehicle. I sure, sure will. Using those steps can save you a lot of hassle and potentially thousands of dollars. Reed's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Reed. Hey, thanks for having me on the show, Clark. I'm glad to have you here, Reed. How can I be of service? Yeah. And I'm, I'm giving you a call because, um, you know, I've recently getting out of debt, paid off my student loans, and that's where I've been putting a lot of my money in. And now that I'm freeing up some, uh, some money, I'm looking into making some investments uh, to save and plan ahead for the future. And one of the things I've been looking at, my mom... And some of her friends contacted me about investing in gold. And anyway, this, uh, this company is based out of, of Germany, and they sell gold in one gram, two and a half gram, and five gram increments. It comes at, I think it's like 24 karat gold at 999.9%. Um, I know they're selling a little bit higher than what the gold rate currently goes for. It's about $60 or so per pound. Um, I like it because it's it's currency grade, and uh, you know, just with the way that the dollar is and everything like that, I'm looking to kind of transfer my money to something that might hold its value a little bit better, such as gold. Well, gold um, is a very um, is a it's not an investment. I'm trying to think how mm-hmm. to say this because I always upset gold bugs when I talk about this. Gold is a hedge against Uh bad stuff happening in the world so what a hedge means is that gold is something that you have just as almost like an insurance policy and it should Uh be a teensy tiny part of what your mom's doing or what you would do so as an example for every dollar you have that is money that you could invest Uh maybe a nickel or 10 cents could go mm-hmm. into something like gold or precious metals or whatever. It should be a, a tiny piece of the puzzle, not yeah. in any way a substantial or major piece of the puzzle. And as far as buying gold, I have a guide on ClarkHoward.com about the most cost-efficient way to buy gold is, mm-hmm. to, is to buy a gold fund where the gold is held for you and stored for you and you don't have to pay all the costs of the spread buying and mm-hmm. selling that you do having physical gold. You know, to yeah. hold physical gold, it has to be a circumstance that is so catastrophic that we're like back to caveman kind of stuff. And you're yeah. using gold as the only trusted 
form of payment while we're trying to survive Armageddon. Yeah. On the other and hand, if you're just worried about the value of the dollar cratering, holding gold in a gold fund is a much more efficient way to do it, and you don't have to worry about somebody stealing your actual physical gold. Yeah. So right, that, look at look at my sense. buying guide at ClarkHoward.com. I think it'll you'll see why it's a more efficient way to buy gold than to buy from these people in Europe you're talking about. Okay. And by the way, well, on the value of the dollar, mm-hmm. I'm not terribly worried about it. There was a period of time that the dollar was in significant but not grave danger back in the financial crisis and its aftermath for about oh about a two-year period and that has passed so the dollar barring some extreme event in the world is a-okay you're listening to the clark howard show i appreciate you spending part of your day with us here on the clark howard show want you to know that if you need consumer advice, we're here to serve you off-air for free, nine hours a day. If you go to Clark.com and go down the home screen, you'll see a section, Consumer Help and Tools. Click on Consumer Action Center, and you can get that free off-the-air advice.